your responsibility is exactly the same amount as what you have. So if you don't have a lot of ability, for whatever reason, you don't have the yeah. capacity, then when an ethical question comes down the pipe, I can't, no, well. I, I personally, Sandy Martin, can't tell, obviously I can't. But you, you have responsibility in direct correlation to how much capacity you have to act whether financially or like with your career capital or whatever that is right so but so I would say that the further up you go with your capacity as you build financial independence for yourself or if you are a multinational corporation whatever that is yeah. your your responsibility increases and I, that, I like that I, yesterday mm. we were standing on the top of the rocks at our kids school and we were talking about as you do with people that you don't know very well you just say things well we started to buy shampoo because we don't want to we don't want to keep throwing away plastic bottles all the time so there's a place in Bracebridge 20 minutes away that you can buy you can just fill up bring your own containers yeah. reuse them and fill up shampoo and conditioner totally and, and then we had this, and then it was a very, there was a very interesting comment. So everybody was kind of into it. It was like, yeah, that's, oh, I didn't realize that they had that. Oh yeah, it's hidden under the stairs, whatever. Um, and then it's funny because I filled up a couple of containers and it was very expensive, said one of them. And it's fair, it was more expensive than if I just bought it at home. And you'd think that they would make it cheaper so that people would do that. And I thought that is an interesting expectation. Hmm to expect that somebody would make it cheaper to make a, in my opinion, my philosophy of the world, a better choice. And there's two, don't get me wrong. This isn't like, no, a, okay, totally. we'll see what this person said. But to, so we, we've all said like, oh boy, I don't like buying the plastic containers that are like this big or, and then either trying to find something to reuse them with or eventually just recycling them. Hopefully. Yeah. I've decided I'm going to get the refills. It shouldn't be as, it should be more expensive. Making the right choice should be less expensive. Where did we get that thought from? It's, it's funny. I've been kind of thinking about this on and off for a while now too. It's, it's definitely the sense, there's something in this about the idea that, um, that there's a virtuosity to cheapness or there's a, like a virtuosity to things being less expensive. So there's a certain goodness within that, that, that that's in the conversation already, whether it's melded with qual, like it's not measured melded with quality or necessarily, but there's a certain like, it's the classic, like, Oh, I love that thing. I got it on sale. Ha ha. Mm. It was less than you think it was. And this is really great. But it's also like, don't you ever go into the grocery store sometimes and pick up a banana and say, this shouldn't be this cheap. Like, I actually don't go to the grocery store anymore, but I know what you mean. Loophole. In theory. <laughs> or, or something like coffee. You know, this is the, I, I lived with a couple of roommates for a while that helped me like tilt more towards thinking about where things are from and just kind of what, look past the words like ethical or organic or these kinds yeah, of things yeah, being yeah. like, just what's, what's actually happening here. And I was sitting in the coffee aisle and had this one of those like, this is cheaper coffee. And this coffee is twice as much. 
But this coffee still comes from South America. Like they make it and then they send it here. And then I have it. And that shouldn't that be way more money? Like that's a lot of things that are happening. And if I'm paying $8 or $16, that's still a lot of things that are happening to make this thing happen. Um, which is tangentially related, but it's still this like, I don't know, this, this idea that sometimes I just feel like we should be paying more for things. Like, like there's a lot of things that are being artificially. <laughs> like water. Like our water. Our water bill is $217 a month. And that yeah. to us feels expensive. Yeah. But at the same time, I still, like there is no financial incentive. If, if that's the only incentive that, that we think acts yeah. on people, there's no incentive for me to try and really come to grips with the fact that I don't need to have a shower every day. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. So if it, but so if I had, so if there was an immediate cost to me that I could see on my bill the next month, oh, I clearly am having too many showers. Uh, I mean, I don't know. So, so it's funny though, because my expectation is throughout to, so what I'm looking at is not only should the price of something be influenced by its actual value. So the value of fresh water to mm. us here in Muskoka apparently is way too low. Um, and then also somebody else outside of me should be putting a price on something that nudges me behaviorally either to do it more often or to do it less frequently because one is collectively better than the other. I don't, and who is that? Who's going to do that? Well, this is this like, we fall into the category of like, if there should be a collective good police, then we have to decide what the collective good is, you know? And every once in a while we figure something out like that as a society, like trends kind of tip in a certain direction and, and things kind of move. And everybody's like, right, okay, this isn't a thing. I've noticed a ton of paper straws in Toronto lately. It just not absolutely everywhere, but way more than a year ago, all of a sudden lots of coffee shops are just at, like giving me, or giving me they just give me these paper straws here but you know that was directly corresponded to me noticing a ton more videos in my facebook feed about paper straws and or plastic straws and the the environmental be uh, benefit detriment that they have and so it's interesting that some of these things can kind of tip through at least in certain communities and then certain markets but like if you're talking about a collective good especially about a giant resource like water you know i was just reading something earlier today about um you know talking about hydro or power in, in Ontario, which has been a huge thing for people. This idea that, you know, and this is, I won't try to wade into all of this. I will, right. it's not like I know all of the elements of this, but this particular argument was talking about how, you know, they were trying to go away from detriment or more environmentally harmful forms of power um, to different forms of power. And then blah, 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 liberal government, it's really, really expensive now. But this kind of balance between something like power, which is really important, and prices obviously having gone up quite a bit, is that a matter of things should be more expensive because that's representative of what the cost is and how things have to be managed? Or, you know, what's the balance between those two things? I think when you're talking about base level needs like power and um, water, maybe maybe a, a collective good, a collective agreement is, a collective agreement is a different thing, is necessary <laughs> more so than for things that, um, that are a little bit more personal. 
Although you could make the same argument with plastic, you know, with the just general use of plastic, that that's a, a pretty, pretty strong collective need. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. It's really interesting. So if, you know, I don't feel as I feel, I have a personal sense of obligation around our air conditioner. I, and, and it's easy for me. It's not yeah. a hard choice. I have no, I don't have a chronic illness that makes bearing the heat or the humidity really difficult for me. It's really easy for me to say, I hate that air conditioner. I hate the way it makes me feel. I would rather sweat to death than have that thing on. I'm pointing at it like you know where it is. Um, like you can see me because this is now an audio podcast. No. So, but that's, so that's a thing for me. And on the one hand, I, I know, I recognize that that's easy for me for all these different reasons. And it's a personal preference. So it's very easy for me to leave my air conditioner off all summer. Yeah. Um, is that the way that we should approach the collective good? Probably not. Because first, if we want to say air conditioning is bad, then we have to come up with some reasoning. And actually there's a court, I mean, there's a really, that's the straw example that you used is a really good one. There are a lot of people who need plastic straws. You yeah. can't wash out a metal or a glass reusable one yeah. where the paper one doesn't work quite as well. And the plastic yeah. one that allows you to kind of bring it to your mouth, all those things make it so that to say that they now have barriers to using something that allows them to more independence, greater health outcomes, all those things. So collectively plastic straws are bad. We're going to ban them. Now you group of people can't have them anymore or have to go totally. through great difficulty and guilt to get them. I don't think that is a great approach. Uh, however, so what, Sorry, but there's a lot of things going into that. It's interesting to me that plastic straws, which are, yes, I don't want to argue that they have, a, you know, a deleterious environmental uh, effect, um, but that that would be the thing that everybody could suddenly agree on. Something yeah. that's actually kind of low stakes for most of us, except for people for whom it is high stakes. But the stuff that's really high stakes for a lot of us, it really impacts our comfort or our bottom line, even if we are able to handle discomfort and increased costs, 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 increased cost. Those things are the things that, of course, do not have immediate uptake or Facebook videos attached to them. You know, but it, it's tough because it's like, it really is one of these things. It's like what I was saying to you before is this like, we can have individual effect on these things. But it doesn't feel like we can have individual effect on this. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, me taking a shorter shower or me using less air conditioning, what I feel is less productive because my house is super hot. I feel miserable. <laughs> and then I can make all kinds of justifications about how even I, a healthy person that is not going to have, and is not in the danger of any kind of long-term ill effects, isn't it better if I'm active and alert? and able to do better work and contribute to the world. And the air conditioner has already been on for hours, just hours, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's tough. And I think that like, I think there's a certain kind of tie in too with, with when you feel like you can afford to make ethical decisions with your money. You know what I mean? This feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, I don't think that there's necessarily an, uh, uh, obviously not a, like an, a line that you hit that is like, Oh, you know, once you're making $50,000 a year, you can afford to be ethical about your choices. But there's definitely <laughs> a feeling that some people have to be like, look, I, I have to shop at the cheapest possible stores. I'm barely making it. 
you know? And sometimes that's true. And sometimes that's not true, but it feels true. And so this feeling of scarcity or this feeling of, of, of or what I was talking about at the beginning about this, like, no, no, spending more than you have to on stuff is stupid. You're stupid if you're spending more money on shampoo than you need to spend. Like, that's just, that's really dumb. There is a product and there is you being able to get the product for money. And that's the game that we're playing. And that's this really binary way to look at finances in general. I think often the way that we look at finances in general is just like, you're talking about, uh, you talked about before about siloing this discussion, right? It's like money, things for money done. But like, there's so many other factors and this is a huge one to bring in an ethical factor, which is just like, well, what impact does it have? And what is your responsibility to kind of do that? Or what, what, what premium do you want to pay? on that item for to kind of scratch your ethical itch you know whatever that is ethical itch <laughs> your ethical itch if that isn't uh doesn't really matter what we do kind of comment i don't know <laughs> oh honey you just go scratch that ethical itch <laughs> i don't know it sometimes feels like in the light of not being able to see a lot of direct feedback, what we're really doing, maybe this is a really cynical way to say it. Um, what we're really doing is, is we like to be seen that way. You know, mm. I like to be seen as a person who buys fair trade coffee beans. You know, I also enjoy that coffee and I have given myself the permission to spend way more on that than I could get it for. Um, and I made that decision once and now I don't make that decision again. That's just what I spend on coffee. That now is now the budget has been recalibrated in my head. So I don't have to like go through that process every time. But when you come up to against a new one, then you have to go through that process again and weigh the things back and forth and figure that all out. Yeah. I think that, I mean, this isn't going to come as a huge bombshell to you or anything, but more than one thing can be true at the same time. So... <laughs> Our own actions can be motivated by more than one thing. Totally. I really do don't, I really, it really does kind of make me sick to think of how much plastic goes just into supporting this household through the things we think we need and how little, how much effort it takes to, to get out of that default. It also feels really good to say, oh yes, I go to the, I batch my trips to Bracebridge because we wouldn't just want to drive there for one thing. So we batch our trips and we buy in bulk, we bring our own containers. Of course, it feels really good to say that. Totally. Um, and at the same time, our we can have very little actual measurable effect and um, we can be, it can be kind of the financial literacy of, of the environmental world. Like, oh, well, if we just, encourage everybody to recycle then then corporations can do whatever the fuck they want because it's really them that has the huge actual <laughs> impact both of those things can be true and we yeah. can be adjusting our attitudes to be oh we have all of these common things that aren't even really ours nobody can say oh that belongs that water belongs to me yeah. and we can adjust our attitude so that it's does everybody around me have what they need do i have what i need can i enjoy what i the limits of what I need rather than saying, well, I mean, it only costs me $200 so I can have as much of it as I want. You, yeah. I have mine. You should have moved to Muskoka or whatever that crappy attitude is. Right. You do of get, feel that way. 
of what people are moving. I do. I clearly do. Like, like that's actually fair. We should really. Take it's not a, really, take but we'll watch <laughs> <laughs> Like you do feel somewhat dismissive of people that haven't moved to Gravenhurst. Dummies. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong with you people. No, but I. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's. I. Yeah. Hmm. It's, is it the tragedy of the commons because because regular people are stupid and don't know when to stop consuming? Is it the tragedy of consumer-driven culture because corporations are powerful and they know what buttons to push? Or is it some combination of both of those things? I'm going to go for the last one. I think that there is, and there are many things happening at the same time, but I do think that there's a certain sense of part of the disconnection that we keep talking about between money and mm. ourselves is at play here again. You know, um, I don't think that everybody sees money as an extension or the tool for kind of projecting themselves and what they believe in the world. Um, I don't think that, I think that many people just feel like money is a thing and often a thing that happens to them, something that they are weathering, something that they are surviving. And, if you put, if they're in that kind of situation, um, it's just a different way. They're, they're functioning in a different way. And, and I'll say that like, you know, in moments of emotion and in moments of feeling of scarcity or in moments of like ethical things go out the window. You know what I mean? Like I, I and this is for me who is extremely privileged and who really scarcity, even though it may feel acute to me, I have enough safety nets and, and kind of things to fall back on that it's not nearly as acute as it could be for some people. And I see how quickly, you know, ethics can get tossed out the window and all, you can make all of these rationalizations for why this is something you need to do right now. Um, I think, I think part of it is, is bringing money kind of into your own context and kind of closer closer to you it really is just flipping this idea or part of it yet again part of it is flipping this idea that money happens to you and, and that you have agency over your money no matter how much capacity you have because until you believe that until you believe that you're in the driver's seat about how you're using your money and you're not just trying to get by you're not just trying to just somehow get through the next week the next month the next year how could you possibly think about applying a wider sense. Context can't grow to include other people if you don't think you're okay. Like we're talking about that kind of pyramid of needs. If, if you don't think you're okay, if you were thinking you were not providing your basic needs, however you define that, I don't think it's possible for you to stretch out your context. Um, this is something that, you know, I've had the conversation quite a bit in the last few years about working in the arts and the idea, this is a bit of a tangent, but it does relate to this idea of affording ethics. Um, conversations we've had around, you know, the Me Too movement and sexual harassment and sexual assault, assault in uh, in the workplace, and people not being able to feel like they can afford to report, afford to come forward, because they're afraid they're not going to get hired again. They're um, going to get blackballed, even if there is a process, and that's a real fear because that stuff happens and it happens often. And we were talking amongst some friends and, and just this, this feeling just kept on coming up to me is like, when, when do you feel stable enough to feel like you can afford 
to step forward and, and fight, you know? And obviously there's a whole lot of complexity within that. And, and, but it's, it's, it does get complicated because there's this sense of like, you know, I had a friend sitting around the table who's got two young kids and a mortgage. And are you going to like, if it's, there's, if there's a, something that feels, how bad does do things have to get before he comes forward and he gives up half of his income for the year? You know what I mean? Like it, and, and so just, it, that's a different conversation too, but at the same time, it's just like, it's, uh, it's affording ethics. It's, it's, I don't know. Am I way out to lunch? Am I introducing a, a random tangent? No, I don't think you are. I think there's a couple of things happening. So uh, let's go back to, to kind of, to the, you, your responsibility is exactly the same amount as what you have. So if you don't have a lot of ability for whatever reason, you don't have the capacity, then when an ethical question comes down the pipe, I can't, no, well, I I personally, Sandy Martin, obviously I can't, but you, you have responsibility in direct correlation to how much capacity you have to act, Mm -hmm. whether financially or like with your career capital or whatever that is. Right. So Mm -hmm. But so I would say that the further up you go with your capacity as you build financial independence for yourself, or if you are a multinational corporation, whatever that is, yeah. your, your responsibility increases. And I, yeah. I like that. I, can't to he who has much has been asked i don't know i'm just making stuff up now <laughs> putting words around, like phrasing around it to make it sound really official like i'm quoting something but um so there's that um and there is also in my own life so in so not just sorry i'm not using me as an example but in an individual's life you may well decide that where your ethics line falls may require you to burn something down because just you yes you have these responsibilities on this side of the balance sheet but you also have the ethical responsibility to say something about that thing that happened that's not anybody's job to tell you where that line falls i don't and i don't think that that is for i mean environmental yes it's it's shared resources if we want to go right back to that Mm. um to that environmental thing i think what i would like to see shift a little bit more in the dominant culture of our time yeah is that sense that well i've got mine yeah or i don't see a big difference or i don't see where my responsibilities i want to see that i want to see the resources that i don't even like the word resources it makes me angry i want to see the things that we all share and that we depend on in whatever way we have the capacity to, I want us to view them as our responsibility to ourselves and to the people who are around us. And I think it ties in with that sense of that more than just a normal financial balance sheet that you and I talked about age. I mean, every time we've ever talked, but very specifically at the beginning of the last season of this show, which is like, what is, what are the things that you would count as assets, not in the sense of ownership, but the things that make mm. you who you are and that you can rely on? Totally. Aren't, that's not just people. It's the, the world that we live in. And anybody that argues against those being shared assets that we share responsibility for, yeah. 
is arguing in an untenable position, I think. And yeah. I just can't see how you can argue against that as a concept. No, and, and your integrity being a strong asset there as well and something that, you know, difficult to put an actual financial price on. And, you know, it's, I think it, it, it bears mentioning just in case it, it, uh, it came across in, in a way that, that, that was not my intent is like that discussion was not specifically around something. And it's like, it's, it's difficult to, it's not just a couple of guys sitting around talking about, you know, Oh, we can't do anything because of this and this, but you know, no, 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 but, Cross, no, but, but it's, it's worth, <laughs> it's worth mentioning it just only because it's like, I've been around so many tables uh, over the last few years specifically um, uh, where those discussions have kind of come up and around and money has been a big part of it. And money has been, you know, only recently I've talked to a few people who um, one of the main topics of conversation that we're having is, can I afford to leave this job where I feel unsafe? I feel, I don't feel safe for a variety of reasons, but I also feel really nervous to leave this job. I don't know if I can afford that. Um, money is a part of that conversation and it, and it does all link together with this, just like, can I afford to enact change? And at what level do we kind of, if we're using um, money as an excuse for not enacting change, whether that's environmental or whether that's in some kind of community way or whatever it is, you know, it, it becomes another one of these things where if we're using the word like enough, I don't have enough to help with that, you know, when is enough? Like really kind of exploring that and saying, okay, at what point to you, like, are you saying that because it's not something that's important to you and you never really want to extend yourself in that way? Or are you saying it like, at what point will that change or could that change? And often with um, my experience with kind of when people use the words, like, I don't have enough is more money doesn't usually help with that. You know, the feeling of enough is not something that gets satiated until you kind of sit down and do that work and actually figure out what is enough for me, you know, where, and that's a hard question. Like it, it, there's a certain amount that you can figure out with just brass tacks, cash flow, however you want to look at that. But a lot of it's just thinking about what's important to you. And then thinking about, you know, within those categories, it's, it's amazing how something is like mundane as a household category is an opportunity. It can be an opportunity for you to, to make your money kind of extend into the world a little bit by spending three or four more dollars on shampoo. You know, yeah. it's little shit, it but really, it matters. I know. And it was it, a and really it matter to you too. Exactly. It was a really interesting conversation because, I mean, I've not been shy about it. We have a very limited amount of money that we can spend on anything, let alone, you know, like Hamilton tickets or something. Um, but it was a really, the conversation went, what are we willing to give up so that we could do that? And I don't, and again, ooh, virtue signaling. I don't care what kind of shampoo other people buy. I would love it, of course, if I feel really strongly about this, that it, other people did, and then it would feel like really concerted action. <laughs> but, but, but in reality, that conversation of what do we want to give up for this particular thing, whatever that thing is, yeah. was a fantastic conversation. Because it, because, and it would have been a fantastic conversation, even if one of us had said, oh, I don't think that's actually worth it. Yeah. And here's why. Totally. Because who doesn't love talking about money? Maybe other people don't love talking about money. No, but, but to me, I know really... Seth better because I had that conversation about shampoo. 
but you're not really talking about money. Money is part of that conversation, but you're not really talking about money. You're talking about, you know, is this something that, this is something people talk about, you know, the amount of plastic in the world, you know, this is, how do we, how, what do you think about this? You know, do you care? Like, is there a way that we can change that a little bit? You know, is that something that we have the emotional, mental time capital to kind of work into our lives right now? That's a, that's a great conversation to have. And it's like, it's the same conversation. You know, it's, it really did surprise me. Um, and I wasn't thinking about this conversation, but this conversation I had just in the last few weeks about um, the person who was unsafe at work. And she just, she was like, I just feel like, you know, this is a silly reason to leave, you know? And like part of that permission sense, which we talk about all the time with, with, um, with budgeting and the kind of like, making deliberate moves with your money to give yourself permission to say, my money is for this. My money is to create a barrier between me and work that I do not feel safe at. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. it's, it's something that there's something really profoundly important with starting to give yourself permission to spend in ways that really connect to what you think is important in the world. And that's the, the whole irrespective thing. of what the world thinks is important. It's defining your own, it's defining your own measure, metrics for success and then finding opportunities within your financial life or your life to just kind of extend money, time and energy towards that. Whether that's a small amount, it's like it, the small amount, whether it means a lot to the overall issue, whether we're going to really move the needle on environmentalism from what you're doing it's not going to move if you, if we don't do it one, but also, right. Good point. It just, yeah, like it's a real thing, but it's like, I was at a workshop a little while ago and, um, like we were talking about beliefs that people had around money and a guy looks at me and he's like, here's one. A penny saved is still up a effing penny. (laughs) (laughs) Not get our explicit rate uh, thing, but you're like, yes, a hundred percent. You know what? Like a bottle saved is still one bottle. But when we're talking about like the satisfaction and and also claiming money as a tool for yourself to extend the world and not just following some generic financial rules that are health and success and not like, like you said uh, a little while ago, this idea that just like, as long as you're moving up and to the right, that's what financial success is. It's like recalibrating that and saying, no, part of financial success can be you know, connecting it to these important things, whatever they're big, small, figuring out ways to do that, getting creative about ways to do that. And there, a lot of them aren't small, you know, when you're talking about safety and when you're talking about these issues, like every big issue that we discuss these days has a financial element. And we talk about financial freedom. It's not just about retiring at 35 or 40. You know, like financial freedom really can be for lots of people, especially like lots of people that are gigging and kind of working multiple uh, income streams and stuff to be like, to say no to work for whatever reason, whether it's just soul crushing or whether it's like for, for businesses like ours to say no to clients that you don't click with, you know, mm-hmm. and that, you know, you won't necessarily do the best job with, but getting to the point where you can feel like you can be like, you know what, we're not the right we're not the best fit. You know, you should go work with that person there. I think they'll be great for you. You're great. I'm great. They're great. 
go work with them, you know? But like, I'm not any less awesome because they're awesome. Like a hundred percent. But like when you're, when you're in that scarcity mindset and scarcity mindset sounds like such a, just a blog post. And, but like when you feel like you can't afford that, like that's another right. way that, that finances play into just being able to kind of make these decisions and create these kind of opportunities for you to just to, to be yourself. I have always been very interested. Every once in a while, someone will ask me either because like through spring and financial planning engagement or whatever, but often, not often, every once in a while, people will come to me and say, well, we spend this amount on these things. Yeah. How far are we within sort of the tolerances for what average people like? Is that what normal people spend on things? And I've always found that just, I just have a hard time answering the question. I mean, the data is available. We can do the, you know, Statistics Canada has a survey of household spending and we can talk about averages and whatever. Or I know, I remember the Globe and Mail had a really interesting calculator a while ago. Interesting in the sense that like, oh, isn't that interesting? But 100%. not actionable. Yeah. Like I just, I have a very difficult time ever attaching value to how, this is going to sound so iconoclast, like, well, I'm not like everybody else. But just there is zero value to me in what my neighbor across the street spends on food. Yeah. I actually know how my neighbor across the street chooses to eat. And it's, it's, a, it's actually pretty neat. Like, I really like this. She posts it. She's like, it's, I know my neighbor better through Instagram stories than anything else. She's like posting her Instagram stories of like, oh, I roasted this pan of vegetables. I'm like, well, I would like to eat that. I mean, that's a great cook but for whatever reason when i see it at two o'clock in the afternoon i just yeah. want her pan yeah roasted the grass is greater situation <laughs> that's right always always <laughs> the roasted vegetables are roastier over there or something but like the roast is. let me just hold your baby while i eat your roasted vegetables um but yeah it just like to me well maybe that's super important to your household for for these reasons and yeah. it's not that important to my household and so who cares maybe Somebody has to drive to Toronto every day for work and yeah. we don't. So our, our vehicle spending is different. Like I'm just not that interested in parsing out number one, who's normal yeah. and where I fit in that. And then agonizing over fitting my clothing spending into some, yeah. I mean, I just spend more on clothes actually, because really my clothing budget is quite low, but <laughs> for all of those reasons, it's just interesting to me to think that there is some paradigm that we should be, orienting our own values around rather than just saying, okay, uh, here's the basics. Now what? And thinking about what's important to us and, and orienting ourselves around our own family and success. But I think that you have a huge advantage in that average conversation specifically because, and you may, this may be a pre-existing condition, but because you've seen a bunch of people's numbers, it is such a, it's so like, one of the best things about this job is just been to debunk this idea that there is a normal spending because you see it working in so many different ways and be like, Oh yeah, that's great for you. Oh, that's way like that's the magnitude of five higher and that's great for you. And that is a healthy way to incorporate into your thing. And that's great. You know, and that's one of the things that I feel like is, is the most valuable thing or a really valuable thing to communicate to people is this just idea is like, look, I've seen other people's numbers. I get to look behind the, under the hood and like, don't worry about the average. That's not what's important. 
And it's all over the place. And there's lots of forms of help. There's lots of ways you can do life. There's lots of ways you can do money. But I would like you to think about how you are doing money and decide whether that's what you want to be doing. You know, it'd be easier just to kind of generically go to an average and just be like, this is reasonable. And if anybody looks at it, they can guarantee that it's reasonable because it's reasonable because it's the average that everybody does. I want that. I can show you the table and stats can. You know, what's really interesting to me actually is maybe, so for people who have zero idea and who don't want to go through some exercise where they figure out, okay, this is how much I spent on this and that and the other thing, especially, you know, when you're new into having money and the idea of designing what your life looks like is, it just seems like, I don't know. That's a lot of navel gazing. I would just like to know what's reasonable. Yeah. Maybe going by the averages makes a lot of sense. If you approach it with, a design mindset from a book that we're reading called designing your life. But if you approach it from that idea of, okay, well I'll start with that. That's the one. It's, it's, it's an audio podcast now, dude. Yeah. It's not helpful. <laughs> but I, I picked it up. It was, it was really handy. Sorry. <laughs> Please. Really handy to have right beside you. But if we approach it from, okay, here's the averages. Fine. Start out with that. If you just are throwing spaghetti at the wall and you need a place to start so you don't get all angsty about $25 over here, $50 yeah, yeah, over yeah. here. Start with that. But, but only if you are willing to continually look at those numbers and reshape them to what's actually important to you, even if it's just by a magnitude of a couple of dollars every month or whatever. Do you want to hear my, my latest analogy? Cause I've been thinking about this a lot lately. The the image that I've been, I've been thinking about all the time is this like, is this like swampy moor, this like gray swampy moor. And this is like, this is the spending. And it's just like, you don't know the right place to build. You don't know, you don't know anything, but we need to put, just start putting peers down and just, we have to start with something. So you start putting something solid in the ground so you can compare it to something. It doesn't matter where they go at the beginning. Make up a number that you, it doesn't matter. Say $800 on groceries, who cares? Then look back at it like you're saying, look back at it a month later and say, how far am I away from the pole? You know? The pole is in the ground. Otherwise, the little island things, I'm also thinking about the game. There was a game, a really good computer game where you had to like navigate through a swamp and the puzzle was really hard. Anyways, this idea that like until you put down a pier, it doesn't matter where it goes. It just needs something to relate to. And then eventually you'll start getting those in the right places and you'll start to be able to kind of build something. But it really does start from this point of just like anything, any decision is going to give you the tools to figure this out. Who cares what you did for a year? Pick a thing. Pick any number that you think sounds reasonable. And then just have some way, and it doesn't have to be budgeting. It doesn't have to be tracking everything. It can be, look, we're all basing things around the old school things. $800 in an envelope. Figure out some way to have a pool that you're taking from so you know when it's gone, so that you know (laughs) how that's connected. Whether it's like a credit card, when it hits 800, you know whether it's a bank account for it, it doesn't matter. The tools serve the underlying question, but it's like anything, anything is what matters. And then you can revisit, go look back, figure it out. But um, it gives you a tool to kind of get away from the changiness and, and, and the belief that, oh no, it's a swamp. Can't build a castle in the swamp, but I built it anyway. It fell down and burned down to fill in the swamp, but I built a second one. And if you know that quote, then you're my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Huge tracts of land.
huge tracks of left. You stay here and make but sure the third one stayed up. <laughs> That's what you're getting. The strongest guy. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Chris Entz, and I'm an advice-only financial planner at ragstoreasonable.com. And I'm Sandy Martin. I'm an advice-only financial planner at springplans.ca. If you liked what you heard, please go to iTunes and leave us a fantastic review. It helps us help more people find the podcast. And if you really like what you heard, check us out at Patreon, Patreon slash Because Money, and uh, donate a small amount per podcast. It helps us keep the show running. Have a great week. We did it!